and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast, where each week we discuss the story of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you, our listeners. Hi guys, I'm your host Saif and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories. Before we get on with today's episode, a quick update about an event where we met fellow podcasters. It was the second edition of the Bangalore Podcasters Meetup and it was hosted by the kind folks at Factor Daily. We had a great chance to have some wonderful conversations with fellow podcasters based out of Bangalore and learn from each other. We hope to have more of these meetups in the near future. There is a quick link in the show notes which shares a beautiful recap done by one of our po- fellow podcasters, Amar Vyas. So go check it out if you want to find out more about other podcasters based out of Bangalore. And about today's episode, we speak with a traveler and a blogger, Chandroma Ray, who blogs under the handle One Earth Two Less. So sit back and buckle up as we find out where Chandroma is taking us to today. So with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Chandroma Ray, who blogs under the handle One Earth Two Less dot com. Chandroma, thank you so much for being a part of the Musafir Stories and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Saif. My pleasure. My pleasure to be in the platform. Hello, everyone. I'm Chandroma from what they say to be the sweetest part of India, West Bengal, from the city of Joy, Calcutta, but currently settled in Bangalore. Chandroma, thank you so much. It's um, completely our pleasure to have you on and uh, we're really excited and looking forward to this conversation. But before we get on with further details, uh, the introduction that I gave about you is quite concise, Chandroma. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, who is Chandroma and also your blog. It has a very interesting name, One Earth Two Less, right? Tell us a little bit more about yeah. you. So, uh, as I said, I'm from the sweetest part of India, uh, Bengal, but currently settled in Bangalore. Uh-huh. Now, I'm a corporate communication professional for the major part of the day. Mm. And doesn't matter how much I dislike, it does stay, eat up a considerable part of my youthful evening as well. <laughs> With whatever left of me, I dream and I travel. No, don't think I'm going to quote Lennon uh, that says I'm a dreamer, I'm not, not the only one. Uh-huh. That probably has become too cliched with all the dreamers quoting it wherever <laughs> and whenever they can. I have my dreams spread across a multitude of things and no prizes for guessing. The most of my dreams are around traveling the world. Lovely, lovely. It's great to hear that, Chandroma. And um, we are very, very excited too. It's uh, great that you are handling, um, I mean, two very interesting professions. I mean, I mean, I don't know, I won't call travel a profession yet for you because uh, it is a passion. It is something close to your heart that you love. Uh, yeah, but, absolutely. But it's very, very commendable that um, in, in spite of your day job, you still continue to um, pursue and persist with these uh, dreams and the passion you have for travel. Before we get on with the interview, a quick note to our listeners you can go on and read more about um, Chandroma's travelogs Chandroma's uh, travel stories and uh, view a lot of uh, beautiful pictures and uh, read her beautiful words by visiting oneearth2less.com I got that right right Chandroma yeah absolutely and thank mm-hmm. you so much for the kind words <laughs> <laughs> no, they are beautiful and uh, we will link the link to the blog as well as uh, other blog posts that Chandroma has written in the show notes section of the podcast that way listeners will have a ready reckoner to go visit Chandroma's blog um, now we have a little tradition at the Musafir stories Chandroma that uh, whenever we have a guest traveler come speak with us 
we request them to take us and our listeners on um, a journey, a journey to a place, a journey to a destination and uh, share their experience, um, the entire experience of that trip from uh, the very initial stages of the preparation and the research and the packing that goes into uh, the trip um, right through the journey uh, to get to the destination and uh, the things one indulges at the destination as well. Um, essentially, it's the A to Z of that place, uh, of that itinerary. So with that in mind, where are you taking us and our listeners to today? So I'm taking you to some offbeat uh, corners of Ladakh. And when I say Ladakh, I know everybody would be thinking <laughs> that it's on everyone's bucket list. Every second person I meet is planning a Ladakh vacation. Yeah, especially those and, uh, bullet riders, right? Uh, so that's why. I... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I'll quickly uh, tell you when I was planning my trip to Ladakh, I had found 1001 run of the mill itinerary that was floating across the internet. And I trust me, I'm a so traveler. I'm a traveler who prefers to go to the off the beaten track. Okay. So I started uh, doing my own research and curating my own itinerary mm-hmm. and really didn't want to ju- just confine myself to Nubra and Pangong and do <laughs> some of the war memorial and here and there. Right. So, I mean, I have I, I have lost count how many blogs I have gone through, I have lost count how many people I have bugged. Uh, just randomly messaging on Facebook, randomly uh, pinging on Insta, telling, uh, asking them about uh, their experiences, their uh, journeys and all of that. Uh-huh. But then I did come up with quite a, a mixture of both, actually. It was a mixture of both touristy and non-touristy places okay. of a 16-day itinerary to lay to Manali. But my highlights of the trip, uh, which I'm going to tell you all all the stories about, are these four places which I absolutely, absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Is One is Alchi. uh, The second one is the Moonland Halamayaru. The third is the last village of Ladakh, or if I may say, last village of India, which is Turtuk. Uh And uh, the village of Da, which is one of the very, very few Aryan villages still existent in India. Sure. Lovely, we're excited and um, yeah, I think Ladakh is, um, as you rightly mentioned, uh, one of the bucket list items of a lot of people, but we're glad that you got to, if I may see the best of both worlds, right? You did see a lot of the touristy and 3 d type of places as well as... Uh... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and trust me also, uh, trust me, Seth, I mean, you shouldn't miss, miss the touristy stuff also. Uh-huh. Pangong is hyped because it's so beautiful. I mean... Sure. I, I'm still having goosebumps when I still imagine of Pangong or a Somodori. Right. But I mean, it's it's uh, it's the combination of both that makes travel beautiful, basically. Absolutely. I, I don't mean to look down upon uh, touristy places because uh, I openly confess that uh, I, at the moment, uh, uh, I'm more of a tourist than a traveler. So, um, But again, it's a completely different experience uh, compared to, um, say, something more offbeat like say Turtuk or uh, the village of Dha as you mentioned so uh, I think we have covered some of the places you mentioned uh, like the Nubra Valley and uh uh, Pangong and all of that in uh, some of our previous episodes and we eagerly oh. look forward to uh, seeing or, or hearing from you about uh, the more offbeat places right so uh, it's good it's good and we are excited so without um, delving too much into other things at the moment if I have to ask you um, you said it was a 16 day trip so in terms of preparation uh, apart from like uh, doing a whole lot of research, curating your itinerary, right? Uh, what what else went into the preparation? 
nothing much actually mm-hmm. uh, it was like an usual uh, trip though there was a lot of people giving me lot of advices regarding the altitude of lay right. which i think everybody who goes to lay or has heard a lot about that you need to take one day of rest and sure. then only plan your thing and stuff like that mm-hmm. so uh, to be very frank uh, when i was uh, planning this uh, trip i I had given my eighty uh, percent time to uh, curate the itinerary, and the rest twenty percent. Uh-huh. One week, one week before, I had actually packed it. Okay. But uh, yeah, but when you're packing, you ha- you have to keep very few uh, specific things in mind. One is you have to really, really focus on packing light. Uh-huh. Why I'm telling that because I'm a heavy packer. I <laughs> suck at uh, packing uh, light. Uh-huh. But then. i always feel i should pack something which i myself can carry it i i don't need people to people around to carry for me yeah it's true i think uh, yeah. tindroma it's a really good thing that you decided to pack light as well because um, especially in uh, places where uh, in high altitude places like this right lela dark and other places where uh, extraneous factors like ams and um, altitude sickness can uh, play a part it's it's best to carry light that way you're not burning yourself or uh, other people as well during the trip um and then you're in control of uh, yourself because you don't have a lot of uh, other things to worry about too so i think it's a great yeah. uh, great bit of advice there as well and and uh, just to revisit you said you did this trip in the month of august is that right yeah i chose the second half of august because one it is the hottest month in ladakh mm-hmm. uh two uh tourists die down and you can have pangong to yourself you can have nubra to yourself and you can have the rest of the ladakh to yourself without tourists bothering you everywhere you go <laughs> i'm being rude but uh, i mean i i like to travel where there's not too much tourists around me sure and um i completely hear you on that even though i think uh, uh ladakh is still one of the few places relatively in relative terms uh, still the amount of tourists is lesser but again <laughs> it has picked up so much over the past few years that uh, you can still feel it that there's uh, so many tourists around right so, yeah absolutely absolutely probably august and beginning september is actually the best time if you are looking for a Ladakh to yourself. I mean, okay. with no obstructions whatsoever. Okay, but overall, I think uh, a good season or a good time to visit Ladakh sounds like it's between May and September, right? Yeah, yeah, perfectly. Okay, lovely. So now we now that we have covered most of the things in terms of um, the basics, right? Uh, like curating the itinerary, preparing your uh, bags, and getting ready in terms of. Uh, um like preparing yourself for the trip as well why don't we jump into the thick of things and uh you take us on uh this uh, i'm i'm sure it was a trip of a lifetime for you at least uh, up until that point I, i'm Absolutely. sure you have a few more coming up but uh, yeah take us through this lovely trip you did a uh, lovely itinerary that you had and uh, uh tell us and our listeners uh, what are the some of the sights and the experiences you had during this trip I landed directly in Leh so we planned to do a Srinagar to Leh to Manali but with the conditions in Srinagar tensed during that time sure. we planned to directly uh, land in Leh mm-hmm. and then start going downward up until Kargil okay. so we uh, spent a couple of days in Leh then we d- went down up until Kargil and then we halted in various villages on our way mm-hmm. so the first village I'll be speaking about is Alchi Okay. Uh which is a sleepy little town. If mm-hmm. you if you are a laid back traveler, if you're a slow traveler, I must must say this is absolutely a stunning place for you to visit. 
Okay, great. And uh, tell us, uh, give us a few more details. So, Alchi, uh, ideally, if you that's what I said. If you're a slow traveler, ideally, for my itinerary, I kept Alchi for one night. But after visiting there, I would suggest anybody who is visiting Alchi to just slow travel before the Nubras and the Fangong hits you. Just laze around in two <laughs> days on the banks of Indus in Alchi okay. and just do nothing. There's a, <laughs> there are pretty cafes all around the villages. There are pretty places just to sit down and laze have good food alchi is very good for food okay. and uh, yeah it's just about lazing around and just enjoying the beauty of the indus the sounds of indus flowing by and at the night you can have the entire galaxy to yourself with crystal clear skies so that's what actually stole the show for me in alchi lovely uh, yeah and also uh, alchi has a really famous monastery which is one of the oldest monastery in uh, ladakh mm-hmm. and uh, it's famous because it has a lot of kashmiri influence in its paintings unlike the rest of the monasteries in ladakh okay when you say yeah. paintings what are these uh, paintings you're referring to like wall paintings so uh, yeah paints it's all wall paintings around the wall but most of it sadly is uh, not being maintained and like half of them are really in bad shape okay. but still with whatever you have you know the richness of the intermingling of both the kashmiri influence and the tibetan and the buddhist influence in all of it mm. so it's one of the probably the best monastery in ladakh which i have seen mm. but people don't talk about it much in uh, because they mostly talk about the diskits and uh, the other monasteries which are which are much more famous because those are very well maintained and but this is like there are like few people who is taking care of uh, who are looking after it and all of that but okay. this monastery is really really pretty and this is just by the banks of indus Mm. It should have been a lovely so, site as well, right? Uh, given that it's on the bank of the river Indus, and uh, I believe this is from uh, back from the 11th century, right? So it's quite an old old monastery that way too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, it's one of the oldest. Lamayaru and Alchi mm. boasts of the oldest monasteries in Ladakh. So it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It as I said, it had lots of Muslim and Kashmiri influence as well, oh, cool. and that makes the art even more intricate. I'm personally, I'm a fan of Muslim architecture. and muslim art mm. so i absolutely absolutely loved it and it has a lot of kashmiri influence for that matter because you can see the difference when you visit other monasteries in ladakh i am a layman i don't understand art but to my to my eyes also i could starkly understand the difference and the richness of the architecture and the paintings the alchi monastery held Mm, lovely. So, Chandrama, you also briefly mentioned about the food of Alchi that um, kind of caught your attention, right? So, why don't you tell us a little bit more, uh, elaborate a little bit more about how the food is and uh, what is it that uh, caught your attention? So, before I say I'm a pure non-vegetarian, okay, I can't survive <laughs> when the food is veg. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know I'll have a lot of enemies and a lot of looks, but I'm a pure, pure non-vegetarian. <laughs> I eat everything that moves. <laughs> so, no, we're all, so, we're all having, friends here. We're all friends here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, go on. So, uh, having... having said that when i was planning making my trips to ladakh so everybody had warned me with this that you get only veg food chicken can't be boiled at the temperature lamb's can is not available and and a whole lot of it and i was like sure. chalo theek hai ladakh dekhna hai to i'll just take a survive uh, it on veg food that's the supreme sacrifice i'll have to do surviving on veg food for 16 days <laughs> 
But interestingly, when I uh, landed up in Alchi, at the beginning of the village, on your left hand side, uh, as you walk down, there is this pretty little cafe called the Alchi Cafe. Okay. And when you go up, there's this lady who runs the cafe who has been uh, born and brought up in Alchi. Back then, Alchi was not open for, to tourists and all, but she uh-huh. stayed in Alchi for like about 40 years now, probably. Yeah. So she runs this pretty cafe where you get to taste the yummiest of Ladakhi cuisine. Okay. So when I say Ladakhi cuisine, so the most famous Ladakhi cuisine uh, is uh, Mok Moks, which back in the plains we call as Momos. Right. So when I tell you Mok Moks, so again, people will, the people used to say you just get veg Momos. So, but I tasted the yummiest of lamb Momo, lamb Mok Moks rather Ooh. at <laughs> the Alchi cafe. So I had a couple of them and I was thinking I I should pack it up for the rest of my trip, <laughs> but uh, but uh, lamb mock mocks were really good. And there is one more interesting thing uh-huh. uh, which I had. There was khambir. Okay. Khambir is a locally fermented bread, and khambir is something you get all across Ladakh. It's a homegrown thing. Mm-hmm. Do it at home. They locally ferment it. Uh, overnight and then the next day they have it uh, with you can have it with whatever but uh, here at this alchi cafe they had nicely stuffed it up up with meatball mayo cheese and fried eggs so mm. that like stole the show for me in in alchi <laughs> and and there is uh, one more uh, thing as queue so when i say queue is like a handmade cap-shaped pasta stew hmm. uh, which is like mixed with mild with, with some mild sauce and you can have it either with, with veggies or meat uh, so I of course had meat uh, with that and <laughs> it was again a more amazing amazing dish so I mean Alchi cafe is one of the must visit cafe when you're going to Ladakh probably I mean if you really want to taste authentic Ladakhi because all across Leh, all across, uh, or in, in fact, all across Ladakh, I have actually not tasted any original authentic Ladakhi food per se, except this place. This lady has a lot of knowledge uh, when it comes to food. She makes everything by herself at that little cafe and it, it is the taste, I must say, I'm still salivating. <laughs> Absolutely. And okay. you have us salivating. Uh, I don't know how I'll get <laughs> through the rest of the interview now you, that you've brought this up at the very first bit. <laughs> I think it, um, all in all, as I uh, said earlier, uh, Alchi does sound like a fabulous place for uh, somebody who does prefer slow travel, right? Just uh, laid back, you have the views you have the sceneries then you have the lovely art and the culture to lay back on in terms of the monastery there and uh, food of course lovely food with a specimen being the Alchi cafe so I guess it would be apt for uh, one to be Alchi while in Alchi and uh, just Absolutely, slow travel that should be yeah I'll see that line somewhere <laughs> That's that's the perfect thing you have said, uh, Seth. Absolutely, you need to be Alsi at Alsi <laughs> and just soak in the quietness of the place and do absolutely nothing. Sometimes in life, you need such places where you just go and do absolutely nothing. Absolutely, and uh, Alsi does seem to be the right spot. So now that you've spent some time here, uh, where do you head on to from um, Alsi, Chandrama? Uh, so from uh, Alchi, we actually uh, head to Lamayaru. Okay. So Lamayaru is actually on the way back from Alchi. It's about 107 kilometers uh, from Leh. Mm-hmm. 
and you get frequent bus services as well from Leh, uh, from Udhampur and Srinagar and all of that. Okay, maybe yeah. I should have asked you about um, your mode of transport as well at the beginning, right? Because, uh, I mean, you are crisscrossing across the region. Um, so, how did you get about uh, while uh, while doing the trip while in Leh Ladakh? Yeah, so actually booked a SUV for the entire trip. Okay. Uh, we had a driver to ourselves for the entire trip. Okay. Uh, but for budget travelers, this might turn out to be an expensive option because we were just three people and we had to share a whole lot of uh, amount of uh, thing was really huge. Uh-huh. But having said that, uh, all these places which I'm talking about ha- do have uh, bus services, uh-huh. mostly once once in a day or maximum twice in a day. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can actually travel by bus as well uh, through the scenic uh, NH1 and Le Manali Highway and all of that. Mm. And also you can just quickly rent out a Royal Enfield. Otherwise, uh, everybody does that in Ladakh. So <laughs> that's another cheap option probably to roam, roam around uh, these places. Sure. Lovely. Awesome. So uh, now we said we're heading to Lamairu, right? Uh, yeah, tell us how, how different or how similar this was in terms of um, the experience compared to Alchi, Chandrama. Uh, yeah, so Lamairu is popularly known as the moonland of Ladakh. Uh-huh. So the moment you enter Lamairu, you just see the topography, the entire view, how you see a village from a distance has completely changed. Mm. If you see, it's completely in ruins and the topography is exactly like that of a moon. Mm. And okay. I'm not exaggerating a bit. It's exactly like a moon. And Lamairu stands out with this uniqueness that that's actually unseen anywhere else. Mm. <laughs> Lovely. So, yeah. I completely agree with you about the distinctive uh, terrain and the topography, um, Chandroma, because I think one of the first times I came across Lamairu and the moonscape or the moonland as they call it right was through uh some of our fellow bloggers right sandeepa chetan they have some brilliant posts about uh, leila dark and uh, lamaru specifically absolutely. and that's where absolutely i, I owe my yeah yeah absolutely i owe my thanks to both sandeepa chetan and nilimma velangi oh, okay <laughs> uh, i owe, owe my ladakh trip to them uh, a lot of it because i have like gone through their post uh almost 100 times in the last two years <laughs> to plan my itinerary. So all my thanks to them. Oh, small world indeed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately for me, I didn't actually keep a full uh, day and a night uh, to uh, Lamairu. We reached around 11, 11.30 in the morning and we mm. had the entire day to ourselves okay. to explore Lamairu. And around the uh, evening, we were heading back to uh, Leh. Mm. But I would tell my audience, if you love history, if you love ruins, you should give Lamaru a day. Yeah. You should. I, I think Lamaru will look really more beautiful in the dawn, during the sunrise or so. I mean, when the entire village is sleeping. So mm. the only thing to see in Lamaru is, of course, the monastery. If you are going to see something, quote unquote. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just about strolling uh, through the alleys, which will take you back in time. Right, right, exactly. And uh, also, as a quick mention, um, there is this uh, Yuru Kap Gyata, or uh, I think something on those lines. There, uh, there is a popular festival that happens. Uh, I'm not r- very sure. Maybe we can look it up and link it in the show notes. But uh, there is a popular festival where uh, uh, the locals, they put on these huge masks, right? Colorful masks and everything and perform during that festival. So uh, this is also something that um, is unique to the place that um, Lamaru is famous for. So I will definitely uh, look that up and uh, include 
the timing of that festival, right? Because that is one of the uh, highlights of Lamaru as well. It is popular for that festival too. So Yeah, and uh, as far as I remember, if I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. it's in the peak season. It happens in summers in Ladakh. So okay. not uh, mo- most of the Ladakhi festivals happens around uh, winters. Mm. So, but this is one of the festivals, if, if I'm not wrong, it happens during the summers when it's peak season. So I think a lot of tourists, if they're interested in seeing such wonderful festivals can actually go and visit during that time absolutely absolutely we will include uh, more information about that in the show notes section but uh, it sounds like a adventurous day you've um, had at lamaru after this where was your next pit stop um, chadroma so i'll just create a bit of suspense around it uh, how many times uh, how many times have you tried to explore something off the beaten track and ended up in a no man's land which the indian map marks as a restricted zone okay. a place which is totally totally cut off from civilization uh-huh. electricity here comes for about an hour and just when you enter the village the local stares at you that you have entered a forbidden zone and you are not absolutely welcome <laughs> and the houses to say the least uh-huh. are relics it's all broken tattered they are relics and to top it all we didn't have a booking there and we reached around 5 pm after all the detours and tours and all that we reached around 5 pm and we had no place to stay so i had landed up in the village of dha in such a scenario one fine evening when i tried to curate my offbeat itinerary i didn't really have something like this in mind but i did end up like this <laughs> yeah i think it uh, sounds like um, i won't say surprise but uh, yeah there's a little bit of pressure here right <laughs> so how, how did it yeah, go after this so actually to start off i'll just quickly say where dha is mm-hmm. so it's not something google also shows up i mean you really oh. have to uh, you have to go deep deep into to dig about this place okay so it's about 180 uh, kilometers from le mm. on the le manali highway there's this place called khalse okay which is about 90 kilometers from le and the road splits into two here mm-hmm. one heads towards kargil and the other goes towards batalik Okay. And uh, from there, you have to drive another eighty kilometers, and there is a group of about six to six, uh, five to six villages of Dropas. They are these uh, descendants of Aryans who uh, who actually stay in these cluster of villages. Right. And there are like six villages. Uh, so I know a couple of them. So there's this village of Hanu. There's this village of Garkon, and a few other. And the last of this is. the village of dha okay which you have to actually climb 15 minutes uphill hmm. to reach the car doesn't go there so the car has to be parked down and then you go up to uh, uphill climb and reach the village car actually is parked right at the entrance and then you uh, walk up and when you reach reach there it's absolutely cut off self to huge huge mountains and there is this little village in between Uh-huh. and if something happens to you god forbid is absolutely nothing you can do sitting there oh my god so when you when yeah. you prayed really hard for an offbeat destination with god i think uh, he probably said okay go to dha that's go to dha exactly <laughs> that's how it sounds 
so even our uh, driver knew ladaki so the first time we saw our most confident driver a little confused and didn't know what to do and he he said ki madam ye jagah aapko kahan se mila <laughs> because i was all around going like i want to go to that place that place this place so he like ye jagah aapko kahan se mila ye to maine bhi nahi suna iske bare mein yeah i do agree on the part where um, you said the descendant safarians right i uh, i have read yeah. about um, Uh, the people of the village uh, are believed to be the descendants of Alexander the Great, right? When he made that um, uh, first attempt to make a conquest of this place, the Indus Valley, right? Uh, I think uh, that's when yeah, this yeah. goes back. It also gives me, uh, <laughs> uh, it throws back some memories about this um, other place we had covered that was called, I think, um, the village of Malana, right? This is one of the infamous villages, as you said, uh, about yeah, uh, yeah. the Aryan population and the locals not being Um, very welcoming, as you rightly put it, right? So, so yeah. How was the experience? You landed there. It's like getting dark, close to dark. I had to hike fifteen minutes up to get to the village. Like, what transpired after this? Uh, now I'm curious. Yeah. Then actually, uh, to top it all, we didn't have a confirmed booking because our driver and the lady who helped us book a few places across Ladakh, uh, she was very confident that in Ladakh, wherever you go, you get homestays, or at least if you knock a door, people are very welcoming. Mm. Uh, so we were with the confidence. Actually, we, in Alshi also it happened the same, and uh, there are like in Nubra also it happened the same. But when it came to Dhak, when uh, the, our driver interacted with the local uh, people, they were like, "There is no chance where you can stay with the locals." They were not at all welcoming. I, they were like, "Why have you come here?" That was then <laughs> day. So I was like. we should spend just about a night and then just head tomorrow morning i mean i just want to leave this place so that was my first feeling when i entered the village of dhak mostly it attracts foreign tourists and it has been open to tourists only in 2010 so when we landed there we were trying to so we were trying to figure out to book a place and uh, so somebody said you have to walk around another 2 kilometers downhill mm. to find a, um, a homestay okay then our driver started speaking in the local language and all so this person said there is this small small hotel you okay. uh, which takes about like 500 rupees a night per uh-huh. head uh-huh. and they'll give you basic food and it's at the entrance of the village hmm. somehow we managed for the night but uh, finding that was really a task but we did find out we did find this out about within one hour one and a half hour we got settled uh-huh. and uh, then we started uh, exploring i mean at least walking around the village of dhak <laughs> It does so, seem like uh, a little bit of an adventure and an adventure of a different kind. I think it is um, experiences like this when you kind of appreciate places like uh, Alchi Cafe and uh, the village of Alchi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. More, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking that I wish I could go back and stay at Alchi. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. So, 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 so you mm. just spent the night there, and um, did you have anything more planned for the next day? No, I didn't. But that day there was something interesting that had happened. Okay. So we uh, we took a little tour around the village because we really found out there was not much we could do uh, in that village. There was no touristy touristy things which people see. So we walked up and uh, we found this little school also, and uh, we found a few children playing. and those were the only people who talked with us yeah. and uh, who actually uh, took us around the village and to those unknown corners yeah. of the village of dha yeah. and that was a really good evening spent with the kids so when i said that the village of dha was completely uh, cut out of civilization mm-hmm. but when i spoke with the kids they do know about sharuk they know <laughs> do know about amir khan's latest movie and they are updated about everything 
with only two hours of electricity and two hours of TV coming to their room. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, uh, it was like, not that they were totally cut off, but yes, they, they didn't have a lot of ideas also. They didn't have internet and they don't have phone connections and all of that. Mm. Still, they know how to enjoy in their own little way. And they took, and one of the secret corners, this is something particularly I want to mention, one of uh-huh. the secret corners they took us to was a museum. Wow, okay. So when you hear museum, you uh, say, wow, museum and all of that. So we also had that conventional museum, museum thing in our mind. Right. So when they said, Ki, uh, museum chalna hai, to we, I said, yeah, okay, sure, why not? So we uh, followed them. That road was another haunting road. It was totally <laughs> dark. We three were three of us were telling that even if people murdered us here, nobody <laughs> on the world could have come to know or uh, come find us. It was like so <laughs> deep, so dark alleys and all. And finally, we landed up in small dark room, okay. which is about uh, 100 square, not even 100 square feet. It's about 50 square feet. Uh-huh. It had all the oldest of utensils, oldest of dresses, oldest of animal skins mm-hmm. hung on the walls. And that room didn't have a light. We, all we had was a phone flashlight. So it's so scary. And the lady who was showing us uh-huh. was friendly, but she looked scary. <laughs> I mean, if I, you will only know if I can show you her picture, but she looked scary. Oh. Not that she was rude to us, but she looked scary. But so that was one of the experiences yeah, we I had. Think, yeah, this is definitely something you cannot curate, right? This has to happen by chance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't curate this. <laughs> absolutely, Especially that uh, dingy little museum and uh, kind of artifacts it had. Um, it's very different from a uh, conventional and museum. And it was actually a little, a little hush hush. Also, when I say it was a little museum, it was a little hush hush. So everybody mm-hmm. was like, "Don't say anybody that we have taken you to this museum mm-hmm. and all of that." But it, it was a room that was filled with. lot of secrets yeah yeah exactly and uh, it does sound like um, i mean it's an interesting experience no doubt but uh, a spine chilling one as well uh, given that the whole build up to this whole experience right like yeah, yeah. the kind of looks you were getting and uh, um, even if i uh, if i'm not wrong i think um, even features wise the people they look a little different right they look they yeah. have this um, indo aryan look or indo aryan look right yeah yeah indo aryan exactly. they are very beautiful yeah, yeah. I, completely unlike ladakh they absolutely does not exactly. look like ladakh exactly exactly so yeah as i was saying earlier i think this is something that you cannot curate as much as you try you can uh, probably not yeah, curate this absolutely I think I can distinctly feel all through your journey, beginning right from Alchi to Lamayaru, Lamayaru, and even the until now, it has been uh, different experiences, uh, one way or the other. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely different experiences, and uh, to. Tell you the truth, the village of Thar. The very next morning, we made sure we left the place by seven a.m. <laughs> okay. to head back to Leh. Okay, okay. So that was my uh, little experience in Thar. But uh, when I now look back, it was totally, totally worth it. But back then, uh, probably that was something I didn't want. But now I have stories for a lifetime. Awesome. So now that you've gotten away, Thar, I hope you got a little bit of a reprieve in terms of seeing friendly faces again. So where was your next stop? Uh, yeah so we came back and we went to lay and then we had 
done the Nubra circuit okay. and we headed back to Pangong and then we headed back to Manali. But in the Nubra circuit is where my next uh, destination is, the last village of India, which is the Turtuk village. Ah, right, right. Yes. Go on. So the Turtuk uh, village is basically, it's about 220 kilometers from um, Leh and about 60 to 70 kilometers from the very known Diskit Monastery, which is sure. in Nubra near the Hundar sand dunes and all of that. Mm-hmm. So from there, it's about another 60 kilometers drive along the river Shayok. Right. So that's another pretty, pretty drive mm-hmm. with the clearest turquoise blue waters of the Himalayas. Turtuk again has a very, very interesting history. I don't know if you know. So sure. Turtuk, when India, India gained independence, Turtuk was in Pakistan. Right. So in 1971, when the war happened, then Turtuk became a part of India. Correct. So the people of Turtuk, when you when you just visit them, they, they speak a very interesting language called as the Balti language. Mm-hmm. Balti is a mixture of the Persian and the old Tibetan uh, language. Mm-hmm. These people again different from the Ladakhis. They really don't look like the Ladakhis. They have those typical Pakistani features. And uh, Turtuk is one of the very, very beautiful places of, of the Ladakh region, which hardly people visit probably due to the permits because you need to have a lot of permits where if you want to go beyond uh, Hundar. Absolutely and, and uh, I do completely agree with um, your earlier comments about it being like very scenic right uh, right from the uh, beautiful colors of the river Chayok and uh, even there's a lot more greenery when you compare it to the other places, some of the other places in uh, Ladakh you've seen, right? So that way also it's completely a uh, new leaf, if I may call, in the region. But along with that, as you said, there is also a uh, very characteristic Muslim influence on this region, right? When compared to... Uh, yeah, Saudi- it's primarily a Muslim re- region. Uh, right. Region. I mean, there are very few Ladakhis because, as I said, I mean, it was part of Pakistan exactly. till 1971. Exactly. And now it's in India, which is like, uh, which is like filled with, again, there's a lot of check posts of Indian armies and all of that. So when you talk to people, you get this feeling uh, that they are uh, fighting for an identity. I mean, mm. so their father was a pa- Pakistani, they are an Indian. So I can very well understand the dilemma which pe- probably the people go through. Sure. So you, you can actually feel this when you're talking to them. Yeah, but having exactly. said that, I mean, the people are very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll speak to you, they'll talk to you, they'll take you around the village, they'll tell you about their uh, sons, grandsons and all of that and all of the interesting histories and the beautiful place. So Right, right. And uh, if I'm... Um to believe, I think it is only in around 2009-2010 that this was opened up for tourists, right? Given the Absolutely. location, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Location. Right. So, <laughs> again, as I said, I should appreciate the fact that you have put the effort to curate a trip and it really shows in terms of the experiences as well as uh, the sites and the sceneries as well of the terrain, right? How different they are from place to place, right? From Alchi to Lamayaru to Dha and now Turtuk. Um, I think that's what makes this uh, trip, I think, so much more enjoyable given the different kinds of experience. It hasn't been like only the Tibetan culture and the influence that you've experienced or only the Muslim influence and culture no, absolutely you've experienced. Not. Exactly. It was like an arena of things I experienced in my trip. I mean, that's all I can say. Google paints a completely different picture of Ladakh, which of course is one of the very important part of Ladakh. Sure. But having said that, this is as much of Ladakh as the other parts are. Absolutely. So one absolutely. must must visit uh, when they are planning their trip. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm sure you had a wonderful time there and uh, we had a lovely time talking to you about this. So, Chandroma, before we let you go, I'd like to thank you very, very much for taking us down this path that is um, less trodden, right? It's uh, it's offbeat. It's, it's uh, as you said, it's, uh, said it's, yeah, it's uh, offbeat. Ladakh that Google paints. So, thank you so much for uh, giving us that view of um, this really gem of a place right from the uh, like the terrain to the mountains to the valleys to the people there and of course the food how can we forget alchi cafe right <laughs> uh, yeah you should have. <laughs> so yeah thank you thank you sir for giving me the opportunity and thank you i really really enjoyed uh, talking about all these uh, places and these are actually places very very close to my heart so thank you for giving me this opportunity well, thank you we are grateful that you could come and sh- share your experiences here and uh, share that little bit of joy with us and our listeners too thank you chandroma that was yet another great episode of the bazaar stories if you guys like the show please subscribe to us on itunes or apple podcasts audio boom seven pocket casts castbox stitcher or any other podcasting app available on ios or android please do leave us a review on itunes it goes a long way in the show's discoverability you can also follow us on facebook twitter or instagram we go by the handle the musafir stories or if it suits you you could email us at themusafirstories@gmail.com or visit our website at www.themusafirstories.com for more information all of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode So here's to more traveling, sharing and inspiring. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, happy travels and goodbye. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, You'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at american.edu/gradschool.